Ladies and gentlemen, both and neither, subterranean slugs that receive this message over the vibrations in the earth. <laughs> Welcome and hello to Last Minute Politics. Today we are joined by a very special deer named Hayes. Hello. Say hello, Hayes. Hi. Hayes has recently graduated with a degree in political science, and we figured it'd be really cool to have somebody who has actually been trained in American politics be here to help us talk about it's, American politics. It's very generous. <laughs> uh, I My name is at Hayesstag on Twitter. You could just call me Hayes. Uh, pronouns are they, them. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in political science and communications from the University of Louisville and am currently awaiting uh, acceptance letter into a direct enrollment uh, PhD program for a master's in intelligence and a PhD in uh, political science. Thank you for having me. We're going to get into the details of the thing, but uh, before before we do, can you give give the same summary of what your field of expertise is that you gave to us? Like what aspect of political science were you studying? So uh, my uh, degree in political science, my track was in applied politics because I'm really interested in the nitty gritty of actually doing things. Uh, Another reason we have you here. <laughs> which is so rare in politics these days. But uh, my niche uh, that my uh, research mentor turned me on to is what's known as pol uh, mimetic politics or stochastic terrorism. And so I study political conspiracy theories, those who hold them, how they form, and uh, how internet groups like 4chan can lead to situations like uh, January 6th or people shooting up a pizza parlor. Well, we also have with us, as usual, our, our co-host, Dragor. Say hi. Hello. Hi. How are you all doing? What's going on with you, Dragor? What's your area of study? Uh, my area of study is I've actually, Pepper is aware of this, uh, I have renewed the, automate, the publishing automation efforts for this very podcast, and I am almost there. <laughs> so if you've We're been on. waiting for us to put our shit on YouTube, it's finally going to start happening. Hooray. have as always just an insane amount of things to talk about because every week an insane amount of things <laughs> happens i want to start it is about to be depending on when this comes out oh depending on when this comes, what am i saying i'm the one who's editing this this should be coming out december 23rd or 24th meaning this could be a christmas eve or eve eve episode and i have a, a little, little a, a christmas like how could pep make christmas about socialism <laughs> and i've done it yay so i work I work at churches. At I sing at various churches as part of my my day job because, unfortunately, podcasting and being a music boy does not fully pay all of my bills. But I happen to be with one really cool church, and in in the Christmas story, a piece that is emphasized a lot, especially like in carols in the in the literature, uh, Jesus being a pauper king. How he was not born of like great high royalty. How the person who was supposed to be the son of God, like God, wanted to experience humanity. So where did he slap their consciousness into? Not the the like provincial governor. Not the Frickin, uh who would, who would be the Roman emperor? It, it was this this little boy born to poor people who couldn't even like afford a place to stay and is born in a stable and all that. And 
there's like kind of two ways you can go with that. You end up with, with Christians who go, oh, that means we better be nice to poor people in case one of them is God. <laughs> like, <laughs> like being nice to a quiet think, kid in school? <laughs> no, it's like Beauty and the Beast syndrome, where if you're mean to them, then they're a witch and they curse you. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like, that's the message some people take. I choose to take the message of class is immaterial and greatness. Like not People don't get to choose their starting points. And throughout most of Jesus' story, people shit on him for being lower class. <laughs> and then it's like, like, hey, though, look at my teachings. I think there's like a class aspect built into the very core of Christianity and an uh, really an anti-class thing of uh, we all should be one class. We are all children of God. And I, I like that aspect about the holiday. Like, I'm does it's not make me a, a devout Christian per se, but there is goodness you can dig out of there. And it doesn't take a lot of leap in a Christian's mind to make those connections. They'd probably hear what I said and go, yeah, of course. Well, then, <laughs> yeah, that's so like, I'm not as familiar with that, but like, I do understand the base reading there. So as the non-religious person and as the anti-theist person, I immediately go to, all right, if it's so easy to have a class analysis of the Jesus story, what was life material like at the time to cause that to be the thing that people want to latch on to, right? Because all of this was not created in, like, in absence of context. Real people, like, yeah, we're looking at thousands of years of evolving of the myth, but, like, the kernel of it is still there. So, as, as a card-carrying Satanic Temple member, I still celebrate the holidays. I just, I'm down for a party. That's what I'm in it for. And, oh, and, yeah. And on that note, there's, there's this interesting reading uh, among some religious scholars uh, that Jesus wasn't an actual real person, but was more of a medical representation of a psychedelic mushroom. And, and so, <laughs> so there's there's some really interesting things that could be taken away from that, that that the idea or notion of beneficence and and being like socialist and caring for others uh, can come from expanding your mind. All right, my friends. Merry Christmas. I hope you've enjoyed the holiday portion of the podcast. Merry Christmas. <laughs> We're now going to go on. Mushrooms. <laughs> Peace and mushrooms. Be nice to each other. Only reason I bring that up is if we're talking like real talk, bring the shit we're talking about to the masses, to everyday people, you have to contend with the fact that a massive chunk of Americans are Christian and they're probably not going to be like, yeah, sure. Like if, if your club is like, you must denounce all of your, like any religious beliefs you have in order to join us, they're immediate. They're going to need your like slide away from it. I know people who have deep Christian faith who are awesome. Like with, with no fucking caveats, they have nothing negative that I think that you should fix in their ideology. Great people. And the, opposite is equally true it's kind of like Hayes was talking about we don't even know if jesus was real most evidence shows that jesus was not real like a real physical human named jesus who did exactly what is in the bible but the messages we can take from it at this point outweigh the historic man who lived 2000 years ago or did not live 2000 years ago and what we do with the philosophy is up to us do you turn that philosophy into the clan or do you turn it into a communist revolution in America. Uh, I have my preferences. <laughs> or do you kill all Christians, which seems like a not a good... <laughs> no, because even as an anti-theist that doesn't want any belief of an afterlife anywhere, I'm also a pacifist. Let's, let's stop with the, the killing of it's people. It's like Bajor. The Bajorans can use their religion. <laughs> <laughs> you made it good. about Star Trek before me, you bastard. Are you fucking Barai, what her name is? What's her name? Vedic Barail <laughs> is the guy. Yeah. And then He's Kira the Neris on the station. 
They kill Barai. They, no, they kill Vedic Barail because the doctor, Dr. Bashir said, I'm sorry, there's a tangent, but this I hate this episode so much. Because if they did this medical procedure, it would remove the undefinable uh, spark of life and you would be just nothing more than an advanced automaton. And you're like, Data was a starring character already. I know. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, if a hologram has rights in this universe, maybe we can just, Okay. Before we get anywhere, because we tend to ramble and go over time like I'm doing now, Hayes, I want you to tell us about about your area of study. Okay. Well, I am not a philosophy major, so I, I could I took a class. I know about the the whole teleporter problem, yeah. ship a thesis. But it what I study is so there's a concept called stochastic terrorism. Stochastic means random. And there's this idea that uh, accelerationists have adopted this form of terrorism that allows them a degree of separation. And by what I mean by that is they will go online and they will politically recruit and motivate people into alt-right, which is uh, the FBI determined is the largest threat facing America right now. And they'll give themselves a degree of separation by just saying, oh, it's just free speech. It's just exercising my free speech. I didn't know that guy was going to shoot up a, a pizza parlor. All I said was Hillary Clinton was running a pedophilic uh, satanic sex cult out of the basement, which doesn't exist. So, you know, you can't pin this on me. <laughs> and so uh, in my most recent uh, research that I, I was uh, conducting under my mentor, Dr. Adam Enders, you should check out some of his work. Uh, he also studies conspiracy theory formation and those who form it. We found that there's no real differentiation between Democrats or Republicans in their readiness to accept uh, a conspiracy theory. And that, that's just in general. Uh, but you have to be predisposed to it. So there's a certain sect uh, of people who are more likely to to uh, accept uh, just bullshit. And then it becomes this this uh, game of yes and, and they try and top uh, one another and add in, and you get some sovereign sit in there, uh, sovereign citizens in there adding what they want to talk about, and it becomes this echo chamber reinforcing what each other believe in uh, amongst conspiracy theories. And so what we find is, is that... Um, these people tend not to want to engage with reality, and that leads to them uh, committing terrorist acts and, and feeling uh, justified in that. I guess I have a question. Okay. And my question is, is, is it like, you said in particular the phrase they don't want to, you, you said what in particular with regards to reality? Could you say that uh, again? It's it becomes kind of an echo chamber. The, the the main goal is to preserve the cognitive bias that they form. Uh, the typical person who believes in conspiracy theories tends to only hold a high school diploma, uh, be roughly uh, middle class, uh, and but when you you, you tend to get more uh, motivated and conspiratorial thinking when there's a a government entity or so like. If I said, do you believe in Mothman? Most people would say, no, I don't believe in Mothman. That's ridiculous. Uh, but if I said, do you believe in Obama's FEMA camps? You'd get way more people who believe in that from that particular subcategory of people that are predisposed to this kind of uh, this conspiratorial thinking. 
And you're talking about, uh, geez, to use the word stochastic and getting layers of separation, the new MO for for at least American uh, homegrown terrorism seems to be, yeah, to like throw out not even specific missions, just have the general culture of, man, somebody should get out there and do something, and then eventually someone will, and then you get to go, well, hey, I didn't say do all that. Yeah, <laughs> we it, are basically, we are a crash of penguins of anxiety, except the penguins have AR-15s. You're just winding people up and sending them loose, and you know they're going to do something. You just yeah, don't know happen. what. There's no direct control. And then that also means that there, even if you decided to like, oh, quick, no, stop, everyone come back. You couldn't even do that because you didn't really have, like, there is no direct control. There's no, like, general giving orders. So even if you want to, like, no, stop doing this. Didn't that basically <laughs> happen you know to a Scientology butthole? <laughs> they went too far with it. They it's kind of it's essentially like, what it the was a argument grift for him, on. and when it became more and more serious for the people around him, he's like, "Uh oh." That that would be an interesting research project. I don't know if that's a rumor or not. I thought that a case was study. a thing. L. Ron Hubbard was victim of his own creation. I've heard he created it as a bar bet, but uh, I can't prove that. I, d I don't have any uh, anything to back that, but that's what I've heard. But. Uh, yes, it, it's an accelerationist tactic because the idea is you don't need to direct it. You just need to get enough people angry and cause enough chaos. And so these are from groups that we call accelerationists. And the idea of an accelerationist is burn it all to the ground because it's easier to rebuild from the ashes than to change the system. I would like to go on the record of saying that I am not an accelerationist. When I talk about how we need to hurry up and do a communist revolution, that's different from me being like, let's make society notably worse. Yeah. <laughs> so then a bad, ours is actually the opposite. It is let's make society notably better and then point out how the government didn't have fuck all to do with it. How we did this all ourselves. <laughs> and we just kind of keep, keep that going. Uh, me and Drago have, have definitely moved from, yeah, burn down that building to, no, seize that building. It can be used. <laughs> for, well, I was joking. Joking with for, for Hayes, I'm things. sure I've said it before, but you know the 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 big example from the protests is burning down a police station had more effect than almost everything else that happened. There's and, uh, the, you know. the modern uh, uh, Canadian uh, workers' rights came from a mass uh, uprising in which they burned a bunch of shit and they knocked a trolley car o uh, over. This was later blamed <laughs> on the communists, but. Uh, they actually built a statue to that turned over trolley uh, it, in Canada, <laughs> uh, in a, a Canadian city that it happened. And so you can directly connect most of the rights and luxuries we enjoy today with civil disobedience. In our case, the people, who, the, the workers who were out in the streets in the 20s, 30s, 40s before that, uh, because they wanted to, like, have a weekend and then the cops would shoot them. <laughs> like, OK, my main question with the Kellogg thing is how many people were actually on strike at that particular area and how feasible would it have been for them to just take the stuff there and redistribute? It's shitty food, but it's still food. Well, I guess like the, Hayes, what's your take on what you see in protest? Cause like civil disobedience does bring more results. So where do you think civil different types of civil disobedience could have changed something that already happened? What do you hope to see more of? Are there things that like, you can say with a lot of evidence, hey, y'all, this type tends to get more results than this other type. 
What is the most effective protest for me? <laughs> as somebody who's worked in Washington, as somebody who's seen the meat grinder that is uh, Capitol Hill, it's just a bunch of interns working there. They're really doing all the work. And, and knowing, like, the ins and outs that things like there hasn't been a legitimate debate on the House or Senate floor in over 100 years. That all happens in back rooms. And all the policy right. is created by interns, people who are getting very little sleep, who are packed into a small room with bunk beds. Uh, and uh, they're just students. They're, they're the ones who are running things. And there are people who are running this country with Alzheimer's. I could safely uh, tell you that here's what happens the the most one of the most effective things I, I don't think is even like standing outside the white house with signs and stuff like that they don't care they they do not care <laughs> uh what it's a numbers game if you call into your senator and I, I hate to be that person like you should write and you should call but what happens is you call in you say you don't have to give them a lot of nuance just say i'm in favor of this i'm against this you get put into an excel spreadsheet of yay or nay and that's how they vote along uh but only I hear that from everybody, so I'm starting to believe that's... I believe it, because I've heard that from so many people for five, six, seven years now. But here's the problem. Regardless uh, of, of how popular or unpopular a, uh, a legislation is, only 30% of the time uh, did the people's voice actually have an effect. You actually... Uh, if you're a company or you're a lobbyist group, you have way more sway. So you, you, would, you would theoretically hope that our, our governance runs on popular opinion and, and that there's a lot of support, but it only really happens about 30% of the time, according to studies. With that said, I'm not going to tell you to go commit violence and things like that, but it seems to work, including sit-ins and, and civil disobedience or, or uh, malicious obedience, which is where you follow the letter of the law to, to an unintended consequence. I've heard it differently as malicious compliance. That's, yes. So what Hayes is saying here is that if you do not hold leverage or power, there is basically, if, if someone else has greater leverage that has an interest opposing yours, that is the interest that will be represented. You said that lobbyists and companies can just outweigh the opinions of someone's constituents yes, uh, because they have the leverage. Home, of, we the, will stop giving you money. International nonpartisan organization that uh, creates a yearly report on global democracy uh, reclassified us recently as a backsliding democracy. We were formerly mm -hmm. a flawed democracy under Donald Trump. Uh, and the reason cited was COVID, uh, Trump's shenanigans, packing of the courts, uh, the, the the current laws being pressed uh, that uh, through state legislators that would allow them to overturn the will of the people, uh, as well as the the lack of differentiation between the two parties. Uh, they don't really seem to do anything different. I mean, that's a lot more. That's been true a lot longer than Cheeto. In the Kellogg situation, talking about leverage and power. That, that strike recently ended, and I don't want to chalk this up to conspiratorial thinking, but it sure seems like the headlines and general opinion going around is that it was a win for workers. It's being like, oh, a deal was reached, where in reality, from what I have been reading, Kellogg simply broke the strike, and we are taking slightly softer language in the uh, bargain in the new bargaining agreement that was signed and trying to act like it's a positive when really it's a no yet another nothing burger after one of these strikes. 
Drag, or what do you, or actually Hayes too, what do you, what have you heard about the strike and the results? Because I have an article in front of me, and what have you heard from it? What is your, what have other people been saying to you about it? I, I'm going to be honest, I have only saw that a deal was struck, how good of a deal that was, or how in favor that, that is towards the workers. I haven't actually read the minutia, so I, I can't really go into too much detail about that. I am happy they re- uh, reached a deal, but the, the one thing that I think was really in their favor was popular opinion here. And uh, when they were about to try and replace all their striking workers, I had heard that people went online and inundated the uh, the hiring system, the application system with fake applications just to just completely uh, ruin that attempt. And I, I think it's, a popular it's not just strike. The, it's not just the workers. It's us. We have a responsibility to help our fellow workers out. Personally, I gave and this isn't hey, time for pep to virtue signal. I sent some money to the strike fund. If you are wanting to support change in America, I would argue that the best place to put your money, if it's in your town, just go to the strike. Just go and be like, you guys need something. Can I bring you food? (laughs) Or just freaking pick it with them. But if it's not local to you, which none of these have been in Phoenix yet, uh, if there is an official strike fund, be careful. People do scams. Uh, Don't get scammed. But if there's an official strike fund, give money to it. The way that these strikes can hold out. Remember, people don't need work. People need money. People need to be able to survive. And you can strike as long as you can ascend, well, really, yeah, like, afford to strike. Money, even well, then, is, the, is, is in air quotes. Yeah, right. Money resources. So what I heard, and this is from NPR. I was just going home, and, like, and NPR is by no means like a radical left source. Uh, they said the, after Kellogg's threatened to bring in, quote, permanent replacement workers, which means fire everyone and just hire new people, which is what always the threat is on a strike. That's the possibility. They just go, fuck it, we're going to hire a whole new workforce. Uh, then that, that, that cowed the strike force into agreeing to what they got. The biggest complaint was the two-tier pay system where they have, you've been here for a while, so you get good money tier, or the you're a new hire, so we pay you poorly tier. And the that was seems to be what the biggest thing in the strike was, the unifying biggest complaint. And I keep hearing, hearing people say, yeah, they agreed to get rid of that two-tier system, which is just false. You will see, got rid of the permanent two-tier system and the word permanent is key there it just is kind of remember the IATSE strike where they're like oh they got a they got a good deal they're gonna raise those people it's like no that only counts for current employees and all new hires can be treated like shit this is kind of that but not even new hires like within so many years employees and then when you're about to kick over to your uh quote legacy wage as they call it uh they could just either fire you right before or force you to retire make up some shit about you and fight like the power relation has not changed in any way from what I can tell. The leverage is still 100% with Kellogg's, even though I keep seeing written that the workers gave, quote, no concessions, though no concessions from the workers. Well, there was also no concessions from Kellogg's. We are just right back where we were, except a couple of the people on strike, some of the longer-term employees get, I think, a temporary raise, and then after five years, this agreement is gone again, and we are right back to square zero. And, as we said, uh... Everywhere effectively is an at-will state. Some places just have better employment laws around them, but they're still not great. So the whole thing is it's a, it's now a temporary two-tier system, and there's nothing stopping them for no reason whatsoever other than, like, they don't have to share, but you could be on the track and expect to be on the track of moving up, and then you get let go. And they'll have some reason invented if they even tell you. So, Hayes... 
you're talking about the uh, you you specialize in in uh, really like online information spread, and this is an instance where online mm. the Kellogg strike was like a whole thing. Yes. Do you have any unique insights? That, what do you think about that? I, I I think that they ran it like a campaign, especially with modern campaigns you see with Bernie Sanders and things like that. So the the idea is the the memification of it to to really rally, rally support, but. I, I think there's other factors at play here. I, I think there's a general consensus that corporations, if they could work your grandmother for a penny an hour, they would. And and people are are just sick of it. And and it's not just because of millennials. Uh, the the uh, uh, younger generation, the Zoomers, I got to give them credit for this. Uh, in studies, they'll just quit. They'll quit for any reason because you can get another <laughs> low-paying job. That's no problem to them. Uh, so they'll just have the Good. audacity. I'm glad people are figuring that uh, out. And on top of that, there was, there was also that candle factory that collapsed here in Kentucky. And we're just seeing uh, where I'm at. And we're just seeing how little these companies give a shit about the corporate family. Air quotes on that. So, uh, and, and I think I think when people are starting to just die on the job, uh, it, it really hits Amazon home. tornado. People are dying in a tornado. Amazon's like, if you leave work, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, and and so I think we. It's just a general consensus of enough is enough, and it's been one uh, corporate misstep after corporate misstep, and uh, it, it's really gone into uh, the union's favors, and and we're actually seeing. Uh, a, a, a resurgence of union membership if uh, if studies are to be believed. To clarify my position, I realize that generally unions are pro-labor and t- are putting power in the, having some collective organization to fight with your employer is key because otherwise it's you versus Kellogg's and Kellogg's will always win unless you happen to be another billionaire, unless you're Jimmy Post and right, a serial competitor, you know yep. what I mean? And usually a union represents, a, it, it is the it is where workers concentrate their power so they can collectively fight for shit, but not every union is even good. Some of them just have their own union bourgeois class that sits at the top of the union. So realize, I support unions when they do good things. <laughs> And I do not support unions with the bad things. And I have a lot of people who I think go, the union did a thing in this Kellogg's case, therefore it is good. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if the union fought for a year and they got a one cent raise, is that good? Should we celebrate that? Should, mm. should I be fucking jerking off to like, oh my God, a cent raise. Like they got basically that. Like that's, that's kind of how I feel about this deal is they, yeah, on paper got better, but like Jesus, if it does not move to having more power in the hands of the laborers, it's not really a move. I would also like to add, uh, there's a couple things that I've noticed as far as, it's not, again, it's not just the unions. It, we all have to be active participants in supporting labor and supporting our fellow uh, workers. And this often comes in the form of boycotts, but boycotts aren't always the best option, especially with tangible goods. We've seen, I would argue there has not been a successful boycott in a living memory. <laughs> I, you see Kellogg removing their, their logo from a lot of their products to confuse people because now people are on the lookout mentally like okay i'm not buying anything with kellogg on it but there's also another tactic where they don't have any workers to make this stuff and they still have demand piling up so it just makes the company more desperate to to you know give into the demands of these unions so sometimes a boycott can be antithetical to to the uh the overall goals of the the union Ah, like have a lot of demand and then have them be unable to fill it, which would be more distressing to a company than having no demand and no labor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you have all this potential profit just just waiting there and they can't fill it. 
That's the other. That's the other reason. I don't know. Like I have a hard time. I'm also. I, mean, I hope this isn't just a personal me expressing my biases, but like I already don't buy any brand name anything because it's more expensive than fucking Kroger brand or whatever the fuck. Which you know, Kroger <laughs> bad company. <laughs> also not people I want to support. Oh frick, we have. Uh, that'll transition us right into this thing. Mm, gonna make my hamburger assistant after this. I cannot really participate in these boycotts. And when you're talking about the reason that these companies become monopolies is to absorb shit like that. Their po- their product doesn't have to be popular. They just need one of all of their pr- like their. And then when you talk about how much control over the market they have, is boycotting even possible? Like if all of cereal is owned by one company, if all of dry goods, not even cereal, if all of dry food is owned by a single company, like what is a boycott? And well, then, oh, and it's, not then, it's not us. Is Canada going to boycott? Is India going to boycott? China? Like well, is like, the entire earth? <laughs> it's not that one company owns all of dried goods. It's that nine companies own every consumable thing a person interacts with in their entire life. And, like, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. So if you boycott one, what what's the whole thing? Like, I feel like sometimes we don't clarify specifically what the goal is. And it's not just that Kellogg bad boycott. It's that <laughs> they are hoarding resources. They are not allowing people to live their lives. This is a bad thing. So it's not that I'm boycotting Kellogg. It's I boycott their existence and so to not buy from kellogg but then to go buy from kroger well what did i accomplish if you want to take down kellogg you must collect enough power somewhere and then take them out like kellogg is gonna be like ah it's enough we quit we tap out have all of our stuff workers we would like to evenly distribute our resources among uh, our labor force so kroger i brought up kroger is Quick summary, if you have a grocery store that isn't a Walmart by you, it's probably a Kroger. Our local one is called Fry's. Uh, everyone listen, what Kroger brands do you know? What's the Chicago, What's the Illinois one? Mariano's. Uh, Kroger in D.C., they have Harris Teeters. So. Harris Teeters. If you have Turkey Hill products, that's Kroger. I think Roger, there's like the California one I can't remember. But they know, like you were talking about getting the Kellogg's logo off things. They know people don't like Walmart, so they don't want, they did not want to become the new Walmart. So they keep the brand. It's like how funeral homes do this. They keep the same name on the front of the store, but they are a Kroger company. If they're selling Kroger products in the thing, they're a Kroger company and they treat their, they're just as exploitative union busty and shitty as any other company under capitalism that grows to that size. And we have a listener who had a friend who is getting creepy anti-union busty voicemails like, Hey, we know that all the employees are really mad right now because we continue to treat them like ass, but uh, please don't join a union and uh, vote no on blank. We're going to insert the audio here. Seasons greetings, Fred Meyer associates. This is Dennis Gibson, your division president. I want you to know just how much we appreciate all of your hard work this holiday season. As part of our commitment to provide timely updates on negotiations, your store leaders should be holding huddles with you and sharing an update on our progress at the negotiations table this week. As you may know, the union will be holding a strike authorization vote for the next few days. It does not mean that the union is calling for a strike right now, but If they get a strike authorization, they could call for a strike at any time without any further input from you. I would like to add that that most Kroger stores actually have a union contract to ensure things. But 
I don't know if you know this. Recently, uh, Mitch McConnell's wife was put in uh, in charge of the uh, the board of directors for Kroger. Of Kroger. And so that's why oh I God. feel like you're seeing this recent surge in oh anti-union. Yeah. <laughs> my, my senator's wife. I've met that man. He went to my alma mater. There's a weird shrine in the University of Louisville to him. Uh, and I, it was an exercise in uh, compartmentalizing my politics uh, with mostly his chiefs of staff just playing him up like, oh, he's perfect. He he loves the American people. He voted for, for uh, you know, uh, relief from COVID and things like that. I'm like, that no, I, I, I don't. I would that's not all be able to restrain myself from open hostility. I, it was okay. it was set up by my department, and I was just there because I got a tour of the White House and the Capitol building after. But um, <laughs> no, his wife, uh, Miss Chow, uh, absolute union buster, and I, I am not surprised that this is now coming out about that. Okay, I have this audio. I'm going to try to click it through, and if it plays for everyone, awesome. And if it doesn't, I'll move on and just add it in post because there are two voicemails, one that was before and after the employees going like, nope, we're going to do this walkout. We're going to start like organizing. And then it was the follow-up. Oh, we hear you're really mad now. So let me try to play it. Hi, everyone. You hear that? I Happy do. Holiday. This is Dennis Gibson. Fred Meyer Division President, Fred Meyer. with an important update for our Portland and Bend Area Associates. We have heard that the USCW Local 555 notified its members that it's received strike authorization. This is very unfortunate. <laughs> At this point, the union has not called for a work stoppage. It's business as usual, and you should continue to report to work as scheduled. We hope the union doesn't take this course of action. We believe that no one wins strike, especially at this time of year. If they do, you may continue to work or choose to participate in a strike. The decision is yours to make, not the companies, not the unions, but your decision, because ultimately that decision affects your paycheck, your family, and livelihood. Your store manager will have a handout to share with you this week to answer <laughs> some questions you may have about what this vote could mean to you. We have bargaining dates scheduled this week, and we'll continue to keep you updated as negotiations progress. All right. So the, from there. this is where my communication major, I think, comes into play. You'll notice he says you a lot. You can do this. It's your choice. And what that does is it, it's essentially like a veiled threat of we'll be watching you. You are accountable. And if you just make the wrong choice, you are responsible for whatever happens to you. And hey, guess what? We have a freaking update. Fred Meyer QFC reached tentative labor deal after one day strike. And that is t uh, yesterday. This came out. This article came out yesterday. Unfortunate. Just... They should have. They should have spent their money on a new Xbox instead of union dues. So, Dragor, did you see the the completely patronizing kind of advertisements that they would put into restrooms and things like that? Like, did you know that unions take about seven hundred dollars of your of your money a year? You could oh. buy a new Xbox with that. You could buy a PlayStation. Don't you want a new PlayStation? It's one of those where. Like, have you played Portal and Portal Two? Yes. Or you know any. At some point. If you consume enough anti-capitalist and anti-fascist media, you see those things in the wild 
and you start having a meltdown. You have a nosebleed, staring at the wall, going, am I in a fucking video game? Because, like, it is that absurd. Don't ask questions. Consume product. Uh, eagerly await next product. So it, it's it's bizarre. And, and so uh, I sat through a... Um, a anti-union like day of training at a uh, they're a major package uh, logistics company. Uh, they uh, are the opposite of Downs, uh, <laughs> and they 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 uh, they're like oh, but they take some of your money. And I was just that I, I quit that day. I got fifty bucks for being there. I quit that day. But I was just that asshole at the back of the the room, like yeah, they they can't fight a Fortune five hundred company on pixie dust. That money goes to actually pay you while you're on strike and make sure you're taken care of. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> your average union member gets about thirty percent more in wages. So, uh, and you also end up getting better uh, retirement plans. Uh, and you also end up getting better digi- uh, vision, dental, and, uh, and other such benefits. Uh, as, as far as 401ks, they love pushing 401ks. Uh, we don't have enough data to know if those are actually able to, you can retire on those. Those have not been in effect long enough for us to, to actually know. Okay, I got uh, whatever I can mine out of this article. The vote hasn't happened yet, but people are back at work, so not, like nothing is final. And the, the only info I can get is that uh, the previous complaints were about not getting uh, not getting raises, uh, not having a funded pension program, which I'm just like, wow, if those grocery store workers have a pension program? Oh, it's the it's the Pacific Northwest. That's why. And not to be like, oh, these fucking grocery workers have it so good. It's like, that's the bare minimum. And it's shocking that it happens. And I, it's sad that we go, oh, my God, you have a retirement and you're a, just a fucking lowly. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? The fact that, that that's the mental way you're just trained to think in the U.S. Oh, you have a bad job. You must be miserable. <laughs> like, you must have to be miserable. Like, there's no way you could just be treated well at your uh, entry level. You know, work that fucking needs to be done. Quote, unquote, blue collar work. Oh, but uh, they're talking. They're giving a lot of stuff in whole numbers, so it's hard to. It's they're like they will be adding thirty million in health benefits. It's like, well, what does that mean on like on the individual basis? What what does that do to your premiums? But they do say that this is the best contract ever. But then also. Uh, Joe Biden is the most progressive president in American history, and that is true. <laughs> it's just not good. It's, it's like saying that I'm the fastest runner in my house. It is true. But yeah, but it's, it's like, not... What does that even mean anymore? If Biden's exactly. the most progressive president, then at that point, the words are meaningless. Uh-huh. I've got the top score in a new arcade cabinet. <laughs> Name uh-huh. ASS. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, the one thing I would... Uh, when you bring up Biden, uh, Drago and I were talking before the show about uh, DeJoy and the actual presidential powers of appointment. And DeJoy I, is the guy who runs the USPS for people who care. <laughs> uh, so it, it's a numbers game. There are, what, nine members? And I think you can't monopolize a, uh, uh, any more than five per party. Not that so it matters. They're, they're, there, are, there are 11 total board members. One is the Postmaster General, which is DeJoy. There's the Deputy Postmaster General. And then there are nine governors. And the governors are what can be appointed by the president. And no more than five of those appointments can belong to a single political party. So it's not the even, there's, a, there's no restrictions, as far as I'm aware, around how many appointments the president can make, but there, it was in 2006, I believe, it was a Bush-era law 
that restricted, like, you can't just put in all Democrats in all nine. If you remember people talking about how Trump is ruining the USPS, what that means is DeJoy. DeJoy has policies that he is implementing in the USPS that are meant to intentionally... He can't just raise prices because there's a whole Congress thing there, but uh, make it slower, like slow down delivery and certain things, uh, just de facto. That is just what the plan is. It's not, oh, he's do. It's oh, Pepper is a conspiracy thing. He's trying to fuck up the USPS on purpose. No, he says it out loud in the document. Like it's explicitly stated. The goal is to slow down certain delivery, and of course they'll be like, oh, to raise efficiency in other ways. But what the fuck does that mean? Uh, he's like making the mail carriers. Uh, it's like you have to quit on time because they're like, oh, we got to cut down on on what is it overtime pay which then means that packages don't all get delivered where the previous policy was every package every address every day and now it's whenever the fuck you feel like it i'm lewis DeJoy. uh i really hope this goes down because i have a shit ton of investment in ups and fedex i am lewis DeJoy. this is somehow not illegal <laughs> it's it's this kind of like planned obsolescence they're they're purposely fucking it over and this this all stemmed from uh when they they required the U- uh, usps to pay out pensions up front which is the yeah. only Why? government entity that's required to do it, and it crippled it. I'm surprised they're still in. They're still going. How many billion dollars is required for USPS to have on hand because of that pension shit? They have to have like twenty billion dollars, like in their account at all times. <laughs> like, oh, it's it's a ridiculous amount. But but the question becomes, uh, what legal authority does Biden have? in his appointments and his possibilities. As Dragger pointed out, he, there are two slots completely unfilled. He could just fill those today. He could fill them yesterday. He can't, uh, so he can't yeah, fire to, to joy to directly, recap, which is what they'll tell you. Um, the reason this whole thing happened, I started reading more into it, and the history of this board in the office, like it's been vacant and not, it wasn't even active for a stretch of many, many years. And it wasn't until in the past 20 years appointments started happening. So part of the reason Cheeto was able to do what he did was the board wasn't even really there and doing all of that much. Like, there were seats and things, but there were vacancies. And so we just filled some vacancies, not all of them. Day one of Biden's presidency could have started the process to fill more vacancies. However, I do have to admit this. It was not until June of this year that it would have gotten the number up to five out of the nine governors appointed by Biden to remove to joy. So we might have said at some point Biden could have changed the board and done gotten rid of to joy at day zero. And if you are keeping the existing board members, that is true. However, a governor can be removed by the president, quote, for cause, unquote. That means their jobs are safe unless they can show that they engaged in malfeasance or extreme neglect of duty, which they did. I would like to add to that. So I took a, a constitutional theory class, which is really fun. Uh, we, we just it's mostly a bunch of what ifs. And if you have the gumption and you're in the, a high enough office, nobody can stop you. And so one thing that we bounced around in that class is the idea is that if the president can appoint people, he can bounce them. He can demote them as well. He, not necessarily fire them. So uh, in another office, say, like uh, the Supreme Court, since the president can theoretically uh, uh, propose uh, new justices, he can also take rescind those proposals. He can bump them theoretically back to district court. And that would, in constitutional theory, that could fly. So talking about practical things that could be done, why I even care about the DeJoy thing, uh, a, a real thing that really affects 
the working class is not having a bank account in the U.S. That's like a big problem. Millions of people, just millions, at least a million, a whole shit ton of people just have no bank account. Or they have like these horrible, like, have you ever been poor and tried to open a new bank account and how, wow, these fees all seem a lot higher because I don't have a certain minimum balance? Well, the USPS used to have USPS savings and trust, and they would just give you free savings accounts, free checking accounts. Here's a debit card. Oh, my job requires a direct deposit, or I have to use this exploitative, shitty prepaid card that charges me ridiculous fees. Or, Guess what? I can do a direct deposit now because the post office gave me a bank account for free. Or, or most uh, banks will do predatory uh, year, a- APY interest rates in which uh, with uh, inflation rates as high as they are, you actually lose money over time by keeping it in there. <laughs> the The only real Jesus. way to gain and uh, build uh, wealth is through stocks and investments, which a lot of people aren't able to do. And, and that's uh, I agree with you that the USPS plays a critical role, especially in Again, I live in Kentucky, very rural areas. That's the difference between keeping your oh. money on a, under a mattress or, or in a safe, insured spot. There's a post office in every single American town. If you're talking about how could, well, how could we give everyone a, it's all, the buildings are there. They did bank accounts up until I think the sixties, like it's literally been done and they would do loans. You, oh, I can't get a loan. I can't get, even if we accept capitalism as good, which I do not, how do I get capital to start my small business? Oh, through a loan through USPS that then you can have the rates be good. And then, oh, I couldn't pay my loan. So we're the government. So we're going to choose not to completely ruin your life. Like there's a lot of benefits. They're not actually in every town. There's actually been a, a cascade of closures of USPS offices. God damn it, Hayes. I had a good news thing. And you're making... <laughs> you, did you, 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 you were talking to a political science major. I only have you bad news. I mean? so, like, <laughs> it's only misery. Uh, it, the, for, for example, in hell for certain, Kentucky... Uh, their post office closed. And so there was this real problem when people needed to mail in their ballots, their their votes, and hell for certain Kentucky. They had to go all the way over to Bowling Green, Kentucky. So a major way, an easy way to disenfranchise, in this case, literally disenfranchise, uh, to, to fuck over poor people, remove their post office. Like, that's some people's only public service, and it's so weird that person after person gets mad about the USPS not like turning profit as if it's a business and it just shows it's the, not the it's a service my taxes worms. pay for and I want it exactly I pay for it my mail should be subsidized this shit should be cheaper why does it cost me a dollar fifty to send something from one side to the other side of Australia if I start in Australia but it costs me three dollars to send something from Arizona to Arizona <laughs> today the omicron measures sounds like a sci-fi book (laughs) but biden came out with some new covid measures today and it is strangely difficult to find like a news source that is just like put them all in a list for us (laughs) like oh like oh here let's let's do a 
Uh, the Times one, the, the New York Times one I'm paywalled out of. I could just link it at everyone anyway. <laughs> Concrete ones that I, uh, I'm i pretty sure of or know for certain that are in the thing. Uh, it's the, they're going to buy, which I hate. Why are you buying? Didn't we pay to get these done? Uh, 500 million COVID tests where you can go online and request one, and I'm sure it'll show up the next day. Because, you then know, they, you, they, uh, to you try know and, the American people, just the, the most proactive, as, you know, they'll, they'll absolutely go and do that. And, and with the post and, office, it'll get there yeah. immediately. <laughs> Louis DeJoy will make sure you get your package as soon as they want you to. <laughs> and, okay, what else do we have? Uh, we have rolling student loan payment restart back from, what is it? It was supposed to be like this month, January, February, something like that. And now it's going to be May 2nd, I think. <laughs> They're just picking dates. It's just going to be another thing like, oh, we're going to shut down the government if we don't do a vote. Oh, we're going to restart student loan payments if we don't do a vote. This is how they're going to say you must vote for Democrats in 2022, or we're going to restart your student loan payments. And it's like, assholes, you could have just removed these at any point, just like the shut down the government. No, it, it's more useful as a wedge issue next next exactly. time. Exactly. That's all we ever fuck get anymore. But like, we remember, it's on the table. We know this. All we get anymore are these punts. We get, yeah, we will help you for a week, as long as you vote for us next week so like i would like to point out in uh, 1972 as a newly freshly minted senator joseph biden was on the committee that passed the law that made uh student loans not bankruptable because he felt that people yes. would just weasel out of their loans which happened at only one percent of the time thank you for bringing it up so it's not always me <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah, why I, this man sent me a congratulatory letter on my graduation. <laughs> but let's put this into perspective, shall we? That happened in 1972, which I'm making a guess is before anyone listening to this maybe, probably, was born. So the point is, none of this is new. And I say this every two weeks, but I'm not saying anyone's outrage isn't valid, but I am saying... The outrage is part of what they want because outrage gets in the way of action. They have been doing this consistently for 50 plus years. And this is just this particular topic. And the outrage machine is by design. You know, we were talking about earlier, where are these energies getting directed? Well, what can you do? And you, you're saying 30, if the phone thing, if they even see it, it's a 30% chance of success as what has been hailed as the, quote, true, one true way, unquote, to get to influence your senator. And that's at best a 30% success rate. One thing, uh, so in, in political science, we call this negative partisanship, which is uh, they, they want to create this strife. They want to create this division or at least this perceived division because then they don't have to offer anything. They don't have to actually hold promises or anything like that. They could just say, vote for me. I'm not the other guy. And it's always a moral shit, too. It's never they never focus on the material parts. It's always the student loan discussion is all more about deserves and less about the material. Look, what do economists say? If we forgive this money, what will fuck happen? Because a lot of people say very good things will happen. Sorry, continue. You'll, you'll have people investing in new homes, new cars. You'll see basically every sector. Uh, except for student loans, actually see an increase. You'll see uh, a, a, a faster transition of money, which will require more orders, which will require people to hire more staff, and which will lead to more jobs. Uh, so who is the... 
Uh, who's the stakeholder who does not benefit from student loans getting forgiven? Like, what is the material? Who who holds the leverage and is saying no? Because it's not happening, so there must be someone who has an interest in the loans not being forgiven. Usually these are larger banks and financial institutions that buy and sell and trade the debt like uh, Pokemon cards. So uh, right. just... Oh, my <laughs> servicer changed. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. My loan servicer has changed recently. <laughs> Uh, you, you're you're the rare pepper coyote. You got you got shiny stats and and a lot of debt up to your eyeballs. They've been passing around this like 40k, which is the the federal student debt. The other 40k is in private. They've been passing around this same like 20 to 40k, which I oh, I only have to do because it's federal. I have a, a an income based payment of zero, and I am never paying. <laughs> I just am not. Pay. I will wait the 25 years, and eventually it will go away. I'm on like. I think you're fucking 10. So. <laughs> so so, I'm in a good position, and I, I it's anecdotal, and I have to acknowledge my privilege here. I went to college on foster tuition waivers. I was in the foster system, uh, and I, I was disowned when I came out. Uh, free college out of it. I'm uh, fine with that. That is a great outcome. <laughs> uh, and so I got I loaded up like I was at the buffet with, uh, with baggies in my pocket. That's, I did a double major. I, I did as much Absolutely. as I could because I wanted to get the fuck out of Kentucky. But not everyone has that opportunity. But uh, it, it, in studies where you see people actually do have a free ride or they, they are fully funded, they tend to do better. They, they're able to explore what they really want to do. They're able to take risks. There are so many classes that I probably have a W on that I'm just like, ah, no, fuck that. I, I, and it uh, turns out I'm not actually interested in psychology or I'm not interested in that. So you, you actually get people to go into their passions and you get better workers from it. So as a way to make everyone angry, remember the PPP loans? Yes. So there's so, what, what, like 600 or so, 600 billion total dollars in PPP loans, which is the Paycheck Protection Program. That's the three Ps. The idea being that, oh, COVID's fucking up, so you won't be able to pay some of your employees, so we're going to give you a loan so you can pay them so they can stay home. First of all, very few businesses actually let anybody stay home. And then the types of businesses that got PPP loans include the LA Lakers, Steak Shack, McDonald's, etc. cetera. Uh, because why would this not be a way for the bourgeois class to extract more government money? So those PPP loans, here's the part that makes you mad. Uh, 90 some uh 80 some percent of those of that those billions and billions of dollars uh have been forgiven by the united states government including the lakers steak shack etc so the fact that the government wants to pretend that they are like me no speak english what are you talking about forgive alone they forgive loans all the time it's only for a certain class of people Class absolutely matters here, and while it is not intention, no one sat there and said, ah, fuck the poor, and I will write this down in my <laughs> scrawly senator hand. That doesn't happen, but at the end of the day, the policy that is passed advantages their constituents, their true constituents, the donor class, the bourgeois, and disadvantages us, the proletariat. Our loans, student loans, do not get forgiven. Their loans, Steak Shack's loans, which was, give me free money, I'm not even going to use it for the thing. To, I'm not even going to protect paychecks with this program. I'm just going to fucking pocket it. And they're like, that's fine. It's written off. You owe us nothing. Good day, sir. That's not the first time we've done it. That was the same thing with all the fiber and telecom network in infrastructure. AT&T, Ma Bell, all, all of our internet and phone providers took multiple billions if not it might have been was it a trillion for that initial project massive amounts of money and our internet blows because they just 
took the money and didn't do it. Uh, one of the best internets in the country is actually in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is uh, publicly owned. But uh, the the one thing I really like that you've pointed out, Pepper, is it's like a curse. You could just say some mumbo jumbo, uh, jumbo and with the right person <laughs> swiping their pen, it's just gone. It's just like, no, you're just not getting your money. You're just not getting this debt back. And, and that's it. it. It's it is a curse that you can just with the right words from the right person is just gone. And it is crippling us. It is not possible in our current economic system for everyone to pay back their student loans. It's, it's not po- it's not going to happen. Do you have on hand the student loan total compared that's like in flight right now compared to how much has been forgiven on the PPP loans? Oh, God. So I, I looked at I saw a number in millions and I'm like, oh, no, that's number of applicants. Apparently 11. There were uh, 8.8 million people got paid out. Of uh, I think wow, oh, geez. Apparently everybody got it because it's only like it's like nine point oh eight applicants and then eight point eight payments. So like, <laughs> apparently most people got it out. I I saw the number uh six hundred billion thrown around, but I don't have a source for that. U.S. total student loan debt. Let's see, one point five trillion. So it's not <sighs> that like it's kind of comparable. If we did the PPP program twice. We would have all federal student debt. Imagine what Total. that would do for us. Like, that would be <laughs> insane. It would free a generation. We just passed a $7 trillion military budget, too. So we, we forgave seven times uh, the debt for the military. Like, You know what I mean? I, I really, yeah. And we, we all know this. Everyone listening gets it. <laughs> we all agree here. I, I also right. like uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, a option for funding things, uh, diverting uh, more away from the military, but also taxation of sp- uh, stock speculation, which is just money that sits around and becomes more money, uh, often just traded by robots. There's a lot of half measures that we totally could take to make ourselves a little bit more of a democratic, socialist kind of state. Everyone, listen, everyone who listens regularly knows that that is not necessarily my goal I would prefer a worker-ran, worker-owned entire country, a, a communism, <laughs> and like simply having exactly the system that we have right now, but everybody gets a couple more benefits, if just then pushes our misery to a different country. You've had a communism for four more hours. Congratulations, a new record. <laughs> you're, you're the USSR. Uh, <laughs> go back to Cuba. <laughs> I, I want to work oh, for God. the Fed, so I can't. I, I'm, I'm going to stay silent on this one, <laughs> on oh, where, where I stand. And that but, alone is offensive. <laughs> not you, I just but keep like learning that, about that, 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 that's that even I have a to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I keep learning about '60s civil rights heroes, where it's like, oh shit, where did they hide from the FBI and CIA so they wouldn't kill them? And it's Cuba. They like went to Havana and hung out for a few, like had to lay low. Hear about these like civil rights leaders from the '60s who like, oh, they met Mao, and like Mao wrote a letter like, hey, what the fuck, America? You probably should like support. <laughs> <laughs> things you will never hear about in any uh, u.s history class <laughs> i'm like wow i wonder why i wonder why they don't tell us that like cuba and china were more supportive of our civil rights movement than we were <laughs> and, and and then you also have civil rights leaders and and people like woody guthrie who are like oh you're just paranoid the government isn't following you and then after his death you found a whole dossier that they were demonstrably following him 
on Guthrie, they fought, oh yeah, yeah, he was, oh, he was, you could see him as a, I mean, the F, fucking, the government is just scared of everybody, he's a fucking guitar player, but someone had a tweet where they're like, it's messed up that as Americans, they take that Woody Guthrie, Pepper, this land is your land have song. You, did you see did the you sticker on his guitar? It kills fascists, he's a killer. <laughs> his machine kills fascists. <laughs> we had to get a fucking thing on him. He wrote a song that has a very socialist message, explicitly so, that this land is your land, and the one we all learn is the edit that takes out the part about socialism, like, it <laughs> takes out those verses. <laughs> All right, we got time for like either one or zero more topics. <laughs> uh, Dragger, what, what what else did you you had a list? I did. Uh, to bring it back to the vaccine stuff, this is becoming increasingly important. Where you have Boston making vaccines a requirement to go indoors and do stuff. Uh, supposedly, I haven't seen it myself yet, but Chicago and or Illinois is going to be doing that. I guess. And I don't fundamentally have a problem with that, but I do have a problem with that being the focus and not actually helping people. So uh, yeah. I'm not going to name names, but I saw someone in Canada saying that uh, they are running on four hours of sleep and had to wait in the freezing cold for several hours to get a booster shot. And they ran out of the vaccines within an hour and then a comment on... Canada's vaccine rollout has been atrocious. So Canada, we're, we all agree that, yes, if you know someone that can't get vaccinated or that can get vaccinated and chooses not to, that's a willful problem. And yeah, shame that, please. But there are a lot of people out there that can't get it and want to, or especially your entire immigrant population in the U.S. because we didn't really slow down ICE. So you have to risk getting deported and dying to even maybe get a vaccine shot. And a lot of these are material things that the, pre that well, in this case, uh, the U.S. president or Trudeau up in Canada could affect. The solutions have in no way changed since the beginning of COVID. It's not that under the Trump administration, we all were supposed to stay home and get bonus checks and hazard pay, and that's how the COVID goes away. We have higher levels now than we did, uh, higher rates of transmission, higher case levels than we did last year during like the hell winter where we're all like, Trump is killing millions of Americans by not having a stronger response to covid and now we have biden having not a strong response to covid but for some reason it's not his fault and we don't expect anything of him and then people who don't politically agree with that see that as like oh both sides are the same because when it comes down to it both sides so far have been the same when it comes to covid go to work shut the fuck up and if you bring up any that oh you're ah oh, you, you don't believe in science it's like no i do believe in science and science says we need to do x and y we are now at a comparable level of people who have died of COVID under Trump, under Biden. So the, the same amount that have died under Trump have now died under Biden. And, and Biden said, if that many people die uh, under a president, they should, should be, they should be removed from office. And I'm like, I, I agree. agree <laughs> Completely agree. Bring on VP cop lady. We can fucking get her out next. And then... And then <laughs> She's going to beat us into vaccine. Her, her death count might rack up significantly faster due to guns. She would fabricate evidence to make sure we legally were forced to get a vaccine. That's what she would do. Did you see the, <laughs> the White House letter that went out uh, from the Biden administration of if you are not vaccinated, you're going to face death and destruction and you're, you know, 
all this other stuff. Like this really insensitive. Great. Why isn't like, there a task force to go to every registered household and say, <laughs> "Hi, are you all vaccinated? Would you like to be?" With like. We do this. We do this for the census. We mobilize people and tackle problems all the time. We're ridiculously capable and good at it. Wait, wait, wait. Wasn't the census in the middle of the pandemic last year? Yeah. Why, I why didn't it. we why didn't we do do that? Send people around well, it wasn't developed at that time. But yeah, yeah, Hi, we, just we totally have masks <laughs> for your household. How many do I, we have to give you? Boom, census done. If you want to stop transmission, transmission happens. It kind of, it seems to happen like at either end. It's like the super rich who don't give a shit and keep traveling internationally and like follow zero rules. We saw I saw a tweet where it's like my mom in the UK like wouldn't like I never got to see her again because she kept falling blah blah. And then it's like picture of Boris Johnson and like close to seven other people all just do it. like they don't give a fuck they think it doesn't count like that they're invincible because they're in charge of shit and then you have the very very poor people who are mashed together on like the tyson chicken line so i specifically say tyson chicken because they had a fucking devastating wave of dozens and dozens of employee deaths these are a lot of them are documented or not immigrant workers people who have zero power zero leverage in society and they were taking bets on who how many of them would die the the upper like the the, their managers, the people who own the company, were taking bets on their deaths, uh, and on on the the Johnson and Johnson and the, and the poor and the the uh, indignant and the the people in prisons, uh, they got the Johnson and Johnson one, uh, and it just recently came out that it doesn't is doesn't work well, absolutely not effective. That the, it was the better than nothing one shot and you're done because we we have issues finding these people. We can't because they're scattered out they're in they're intense you can't reliably track them down every single time for a follow up well it's and not that's that we can't reliably problem. track them down we have made a shit ton of <laughs> policy decisions to ensure we don't make no mistake there is a lot of evidence proving how intentional that is it simply exacerbates the contradictions inherent in capitalism that we well that i as communist seek to Exact, not exacerbate, because that sounds like accelerationism, doesn't it? Uh, point out and go, hey, the government has this job. It says it will do this. Here is more and more evidence of it provably not doing that and actually doing the opposite. And I, you hope that at the very least, the labor movement continues to, to grow and become an actual fucking movement. And then I want to take those same logics, those same fighting for the rights of working people out of a labor movement and in, out of the movement <laughs> and into the masses. Caleb Mountain. Yes! <laughs> we gotta like your everyday people like you gotta get the way you can effectively do a protest and force this shit to happen is we saw a bunch of i don't know i haven't confirmed the thing but a, truckers in colorado i just saw a video of two layers complete four miles of semi trucks shutting down the entire highway to go into colorado in protest of a trucker receiving uh, in you know in who uh, look at the case an unfair sentence there's a trucker who got a 110 year sentence because their truck went out of control down a hill ended up killing four and their company threw him under the truck yes the com the argument is that the company has some responsibility here the company had nothing it was all on this guy he was used as the fall guy and truckers were like look uh, that guy had barely been working at all. Why the fuck was he on that route? Why was his truck not like, it's not that there's zero responsibility on the guy, but when you talk about the things that could have materially prevented those deaths, things such as you are not experienced enough to be driving this truck on this road in these conditions, take a different route, put a different guy on the job. Uh, 
operate the truck in a way that the brakes don't catch on fire. That's not like you can't do that. It's uh, we're talking about the Colorado mountains and it's a big, it's a scary downhill bit. They were driving a log truck and their brakes completely were worn through uh, setting the truck on fire. So it's a flaming log truck that ended up killing four people. And it's not the guy should have zero consequences, probably lose your CDL something, but, but like, the he company, didn't go out of his way. You know, you <laughs> have to decide to get a to truck have... and drive it down a hill. He did not, on his own volition for fun, decide to crash a semi-truck through four people. And then, let's let's highlight really quick, I hope it's... To anyone that needs to hear it, there is no such thing as unskilled labor. Not only is driving a truck and not killing anyone actually difficult... Super uh, difficult. Trucks and downhill, like, that is a severe and difficult and strong physics problem. In the snow, every time. This is Rocky Mountains. <laughs> I, I would like to to point bring up a point that Dragger. It, it's this uh, compl- uh, complacency. Uh, so especially with the two party system, and I was talking to Dragor about uh, what can we do to fundamentally fix this issue. And I agree with him on uh, on on uh, ranked choice voting. You you have this uh, concept called the rotating villain, which is usually somebody who is safe. They're not up for re-election that can just take arrows for the rest of the party. He's he's headed out the door anyways. Fuck it. So for for us right now, that's Joe Manchin. Uh, and the, it's about the to be Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the, or the parliamentarian. And, and I hate whenever they bring up the parliamentarian because the parliamentarian serves at the leisure of the ruling party, the majority party. They can be ignored. They, they can be replaced. They are only there as an advisory role. Nothing else. They don't approve the, or disapprove. And they don't they don't like say, no, nah, you can't do that. Uh, and they just uh, got the book of Roberts rules fr- and they go, hey, you're supposed to do this. <laughs> it frustrates me to no end how they're like, oh, sorry, guys. Parliamentarian says we can't give you nice things. So <laughs> uh, and uh, but the problem uh, with ranked choice voting, it does create a very polite atmosphere because you don't want to alienate that other person's voters. Their voters could become your voters and you want to pick up as many people in the next the next cycle as people drop out or lose. The problem with that though is ranked choice voting gets gets a lot of praise and i'm personally in favor of it uh uh, but you end up getting very milquetoast response. So you don't you you don't really know what that candidate stands for because they want to be as uncontroversial as possible when they run. And if you listen to places like Minnesota where they've uh, enacted ranked choice voting, it's all very polite. Well, I'd like to welcome my opponent to the stage. Oh, listen, look at his tie. It looks great. I love him. And you don't learn. There's no incentive to be like, you know what? I'm against this and I'm for this. It's you have no idea. It's like a mystery prize. All right, friends, we're at an hour 16 ish. (laughs) Sorry. Who's got closing statements? (laughs) I don't know what to say at the end of the thing. I I have one closing statement. It's something I like to tell people. Vote for whoever represents you best, because when you vote for somebody just based upon electability, it makes single issue voters out of all of us. Uh, The there's a concept called ideological plurality and the cream rises to the top and we need more voices in government. Run, vote and actually engage. And and I, I know that's a very stereotypical thing for me to do to say as a political scientist, but get out there. To, to add to that, like I will continue to talk about how the House Senate 
the office of the president and everything high up absolutely does not represent me and goes out of its way to make sure my voice is not heard. I believe that is true. You know what else I believe is true? Your immediate local governments and elections are critically important. And many times those elections are swayed by under a thousand votes. Not everywhere is Chicago. And grassroots has the most effect at the most local levels. So when we talk about engagement, it really is also, you can do that for your community. You can go and run for some school boards and make sure a book burner doesn't get on the board. There are tangible, when I would, when my main address was in a suburb of Chicago, not Chicago itself, and the vast difference in the ballots and how much my vote had a different say is incredible. I am not a pessimist to democracy. I want more democracy. And what goes on in the United States at the highest offices is absolutely not democracy. I would also like to thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah this is a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> I'll come I back having... again if you ever want me to bleed at you. So. I love having, uh, I guess, because okay. I have now... I've got, if you listen to me talk, I've gotten so far, I'm so disillusioned with the American electoral system in general that I, it's not that I don't pay attention to it, it's not that I treat it like it doesn't matter, but I kind of treat it like I don't really care what they have to say. Like, if they give us rights, great. If they don't give us rights, well, the, the fight's still the same. I'm not really interested in asking for permission anymore from, from an upper bourgeois class who gives me some temporary privileges. I would instead like to take it, uh, take the power from them explicitly without their permission as they try as hard as they can to stop me uh us <laughs> and we laugh in their face uh if you do not have a candidate that represents your interest on the ballot uh don't fucking give them money don't pay the dnc don't just general eh, fucking don't vote my biden my presidential ballot for 2020 whatever the fuck was blank i did not vote for biden i did not vote for trump i did not have a candidate that represented my interest i instead give my money to fucking homeless people i see on the street because at least they will not take that money and then use it to fucking send me ninety five thousand mailers asking me for more money they will just buy a beer and be happier <laughs> like yep. that's what i want and that has been last minute politics you can find <laughs> me at haystag on twitter you can find them at last minute poll on twitter as well thank you for joining us all right Gregor, do you have any plugs oh i was just gonna jump right to the three-part harmony bye bye mm. in that case everyone yell bye for one to four seconds Bye. 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 Hayes, Hayes, that was saying bye for several seconds. <laughs> <laughs>